In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. What is the first thing that you want to do when you've had a life-transforming experience? Now, what do I mean by life-transforming experience? Well, what do most people think of when they hear those words? Life-transforming, once-in-a-lifetime kind of experience. Perhaps it's meeting the person you've most wanted to meet in the world, a celebrity or a famous athlete, or it's winning the lottery. Not that you should be playing the lottery. Or you get a hole-in-one if you're a golfer, or you catch a prize fish, you know, if you're an angler, or your first child is born, or in my case, a grandchild is born, or you get engaged to be married. What's the first thing that you want to do? You want to tell someone, and you want to tell the person who will most appreciate what you have just experienced and will celebrate with you. Let's say, for example, that the person you most wanted to meet, you're most excited to meet in the entire world, would be Elizabeth, the Queen of England. Now imagine with me, you're on a holiday in London, and you're walking around Buckingham Palace, and while you're walking around the palace, someone from the palace walks up to you and says, hey, you're the 100 millionth visitor to Buckingham, and you've just won tea with the Queen. Well, you're beside yourself. And now you get to go into the palace and actually have tea with the queen. You can't believe it's happened. You've got to tell someone. Now, you're not going to call a person who doesn't know or care who the queen is. You're not going to call the friend who says, Oh, what's your name again? Is it Queen Anne? No, 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 that's not it. Maybe it's Queen Phyllis. No, you're going to call someone who is just as excited about meeting the ultimate royal as you are. And that's essentially what's happening in today's passage. Mary is reaching out to the one person in her life she knows will believe and understand what's happened to her. Well, let's take a look at today's text. Verse 35 of Luke chapter 1. You have to remember that Mary has just heard the angel say, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. How do you respond to that? Now, I don't know what the first century version of freaking out is. What do you do when you freak out? If I freak out, which, you know, doesn't happen very often, too much German in me, I guess, I tend to go silent. I'm speechless, actually, on the occasions it happens. Now, remember, Mary is probably between 12 and 14 years old. So how does a young teenage girl freak out? I can't scream that high or that loud, but Mary would have been terrified, excited, delirious, humbled, overwhelmed. Keep adding adjectives of awe and wonder. As she's trying to process the news, she hears the angel say, And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now Mary's thinking, my cousin, Aunt Betty, who couldn't have kids for all these years, she's pregnant? Now, you could possibly insert another scream here. All too often, 
We often read these verses with the emotion of reading an update to our federal tax rules. Monotone, no emotional impact, as if these are everyday occurrences. Now, in case you didn't know, they're not. Barren women do not become pregnant every day, and the Holy Spirit does not impregnate young girls every day. Put yourself in Mary's shoes if you can. Now, I doubt the events recorded in the Bible give us all the words spoken between Mary and the angel. I'm sure Mary had a million questions for the angel. Her head was spinning, her emotions reeling, and her mind wondering if all this was real. Now, nevertheless, this passage ends with Mary's famous, very mature, history-altering, God-trusting words. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, by the grace of God, Mary was awakened to the reality that the best thing to do was to trust the one who had come to her. But even with her mature response, I think that after the angel left and Mary was all alone with her thoughts, her head must have been spinning. What would she tell Joseph? When would she tell Joseph? Should she wait until she couldn't hide her pregnancy any longer? Because of the awkward nature of that conversation? Hi, I'm pregnant. God did it. I don't think so. Mary needed help. Mary needed someone to talk to. Someone who wouldn't think she's crazy. Someone who has experienced the miraculous, the unlikely, the supernatural. She needed to speak to someone who could understand her. Mary remembered what the angel had said. Your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing, for nothing will be impossible with God. In Luke's understated way, he tells us, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. Luke sounds so proper, so straightforward, so clinical. Mary probably ran all the way. Okay, probably not, given that the trip was likely 100 to 130 to 160 kilometers away. It likely took her several days to get to her aunt's place, uh, but I'm sure she was not taking a slow, easy walk. She went with haste. Here's the first thing to remember. When you put your trust in God, tell someone. When you put your trust in God, tell someone. When God moves into our lives in surprising ways, we need to tell others. Why? We need to tell people who understand and appreciate what God has done so that they can celebrate with us. We also need to tell people because after the excitement of our God encounter wears off, which we're human, it does, people often question what happened. We, like Mary, need to tell people to tell us we're not crazy. We need people to reassure us that our trust was not misplaced, that God is true to his word. That's why it's so important to tell people when you put your faith in Jesus. When I put my trust and faith in Jesus, I had people around me who cheered me on. I needed that. Mary needed that. So Mary hurried to Elizabeth's house because she knew she could talk to Elizabeth about the strange and wonderful things that had happened. So that's where we pick up the story now. In verse 40, where Luke, and again, his understated way, tells us that Mary entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Sounds so ho-hum. 
Verse 40 reads like, uh, my boy's coming home from school. And after day of school, you say, how was your day? And they say, fine. And that's the end of the conversation. Now, if you've ever been around two newly pregnant women getting together for the first time, you have a bit bit of an idea of the joy that Mary and Elizabeth would have had in the meeting. Now, think about their situation. Two women who are not only pregnant, they are supernaturally pregnant. Two women who have experienced what was and is believed to be impossible. Now, I'm sure they didn't simply greet each other. Hi, hi. They were connected heart to heart, spirit to spirit, and experience to experience. They probably hugged, screamed, laughed, cried, looked at each other in disbelief and joy. They were decades apart in age, but walking a similar path in life. Now, over the next few verses, we're shown how graciously God works in the lives of these two women to confirm what he is up to and to prepare them for what is to come. Luke chapter 1, verses 40 and 41, reveals to us God's grace and goodness to help the women and us be awakened to experience the full reality and significance of Christ's birth. Second thing to remember, God confirms his promises to those who trust him. God confirms his promises to those who trust him. Now, I'm sure Mary was wondering if everything the angel had said to her was actually true or going to come true. I wouldn't be surprised if during the days following the angel's visit, she questioned whether what she had experienced really happened or was it really just all a dream? Was she really pregnant with the Messiah? She wouldn't have felt any change yet. Was Aunt Elizabeth really pregnant after all these years? Was this all really happening? I can imagine all the questions running through her mind. We often have a similar experience when we meet Jesus in a beautiful, life-transforming way. In the days that follow our life-changing experience, we often question if we truly met Jesus and if his promises are truly real for us and apply to us. We wonder, will God's grace carry me through the implications of my newfound faith in Jesus? Will God gift me with his Holy Spirit? Will I be able to handle putting aside the things I feel convicted to get rid of? Will I be able to deal with the people in my life who won't be excited about the decision I have made? Can I trust God to be with me? And the list goes on and on. And as God so often does, he gave Mary and Elizabeth a gift of confirmation. What was the gift that he gave them? Listen to verse 41. Verse 41 tells us that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. It seems that baby John reacted to Mary's presence even before Elizabeth could. Now, I don't know what a leaping baby in the womb feels like, but I did watch my boys push and shove and kick my wife in the womb while they were developing. And she definitely noticed when they did it, sometimes painfully so. Why did baby John jump? It seems his ministry started three months before his birth. Just like what happened 30 years later when he would announce the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, John's jump told his mother something special was happening. Now, remember, Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, had been told by the angel that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And that he, John, would prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. 
But there's more to John's jump for joy. Now, Mary had obviously conceived for the baby to respond that way. She had been pregnant for a few days. Jesus was a zygote. And when Jesus, the zygote, in the womb of his mother, entered the room, John's jump for joy confirmed Mary's pregnancy, which Elizabeth had declared when she had addressed Mary in the present tense in verse 43, when she said, the mother of my Lord. Now, if Mary doubted what the angel had said was true, those doubts were settled the moment she walked into Elizabeth's home. God loves to confirm his transforming work in us and often gives us gifts to communicate his love and care for us. It's the beauty of how God works. Third thing to remember, God blesses people who trust him. God blesses people who trust him. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth and baby John were the first people to realize that Mary's child is the Messiah. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit as evidenced by her prophetic declaration in verse 42. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, Mary was blessed first because she was having a child, which was the blessing every Jewish woman hoped to experience. It's a classic Jewish blessing. Second, Mary was blessed because God chose her to carry his son. And Jesus, the fruit of Mary's womb, would also be blessed. God repeatedly confirmed his prophetic blessing from the angel Gabriel through Elizabeth to Mary. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus... How has he confirmed his presence in your life? Now, too often we write things off and miss what God is inviting us to both in our lives and through our lives. I think too often we act like Zechariah. This could never happen. Friends, don't miss what God is inviting you to. I have found that to be, to be particularly true, I think, in this COVID season. There are so many things we can get distracted by. COVID mandates. Conspiracy theories, people taking sides, becoming overwhelmed with fear for our safety, anger at those who do not think as we do about the best way to handle COVID, worry about government overreach. Don't get lost in the sideshow of COVID because that's what it is. It's a sideshow. It's a big one, but it's a sideshow. God is on the throne. God is present. His spirit is active in the world. This season simply reminds us that the world is even more des- in more desperate need of Jesus than we realized. Don't miss what the Holy Spirit is doing and inviting you to. Don't miss it. Now, have you asked God what he is inviting you into? Perhaps God is inviting you to care for someone with a kind word, with a caring phone call, or with an invitation to coffee or to dinner. Is God inviting you to reach out to pray for those who are struggling around you? Is God asking you to step out of your isolation and connect with others in a life group? Perhaps it's inviting you to attend a service in person or go to serve in the community. Are you seeking him daily for his leading? Perhaps you need to pray this prayer. God, I trust you. Please show me how you want me to represent you today. Now, what if Elizabeth's response to the leaping baby in her womb had been to reconsider what she was eating? What if she thought, oh, I must have had too much spice yesterday? What if when Mary arrived at her home, Elizabeth would have said, oh girl, you're simply delusional. You need to rest and you will think more clearly about your life in the morning. What if Elizabeth had written off the things that Mary was talking about? Now remember this, the religious leaders 
the most biblically educated men in the land missed what God was up to. Zechariah was included by the grace of God, even though he was skeptical. Mary was an obedient young girl who embraced God's plan. As a side note, I have found that often the young, the ones who have not hardened their hearts through, this, through the disappointments of life, are often more open to God's work in the world than us older, more seasoned, and sometimes more skeptical people. Are you open to the presence and leading of the Holy Spirit this Christmas? I recently heard a speaker say that we'd rather be miserable than be uncomfortable. Do you get that? We'd rather be miserable than be uncomfortable. Don't let your fear of being uncomfortable push away God this Christmas. Will you step out of your comfort zone as the Spirit leads you? Take a moment to think about that. Join Elizabeth in celebrating God's work in the world with joy. Elizabeth shouted, Mary, you're blessed and your son is blessed. Now, what does it mean to be blessed? Blessed is another way of saying favored. Now, what does the favor of God on your life look like? Well, in Mary's case, it meant that she was favored to have God reveal himself to her and to have God draw her into his plan for his kingdom purposes and favored to have God's spirit on her. Notice that God's blessing, God's favor, was not for an easy life, a humanly prosperous life, a conflict-free life. We know that wasn't Mary's story. Does this mean that God's favor does not include material blessing or the favor of people? No, not at all, because we see those kinds of blessing sometimes in Scripture as well. The point is not the blessing. The point is that we trust God with our lives and accept and receive his blessings, whatever they may be. God blesses those who trust him. Fourth thing to remember, God blesses the humble with his presence. God blesses the humble with his presence. This short text also shows us who God blesses. Zechariah and Elizabeth lived with pain and with faith. As a God-fearing priest, Zechariah would have cried out to God for his wife and for his people. Now, we're not given the words of his prayer, but I can imagine him saying, Oh God, please heal my wife and give her a child, because every Jewish woman wanted a child. Her heart longs for a child, and so does mine. Oh God, you promised a Savior to your people. We're living under Roman rule. We need freedom. God, have mercy on your people. Forgive our sin and hear our cry for help. What's your cry to God today? Is it personal? Is it corporate? Is it global? In a world that feels like it's falling apart around us, many of us are asking God, why? Why is this happening? Why are all these difficult things impacting our world? Why don't you do something about this, God? The number one question North Americans ask Christ followers is this. If there is a God, why is there so much suffering in the world? And I think it's a fair question, especially from people who do not know God, who do not understand how he works in the world or who he is. God does not expect those who do not know him to think or act like those who claim his name. Now, there's a short answer and a long answer to the question of suffering. Today, I just have time for the short answer. Most human suffering, most suffering in the world is caused by choices that people are making today or they've made in the past. To eliminate evil and suffering, God would simply need to eliminate our free will. 
But if God eliminates our ability to make choices, that's also eliminating our ability to love. Without the freedom to choose, we cannot be made in the image of God. We would not be able to experience the highs of love, of compassion, of joy, anticipation, care, comfort, all the good things we enjoy. That's the beauty of choice. Now, we can choose to join God in what he is doing in the world. We can choose to participate in the great story that he is unfolding all around us. And just like we have a choice to make, Mary also had a choice to make. When the angel communicated God's plan to Mary, she ultimately said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Mary was saying, I choose to trust you, Lord. Now, that may be a hard statement for you to make today. I choose to trust you, Lord. In spite of my fear, I choose to trust you. In spite of my worries, I choose to trust you. In spite of my pain, I choose to trust you, Lord. In spite of my questions, I choose to trust you, Lord. Why trust God today? Because you recognize that he is bigger than anything you are facing, than any question you can ask him, than any scrap of self-confidence you are banking on. Because you have come to understand that the only response to God's grace is to recognize your need of him and to respond in humility. I think that's why Elizabeth, Elizabeth said, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Elizabeth was overwhelmed by God's goodness and God's presence. Elizabeth was aware of the gravity and magnitude of the moment. She was in awe of Mary's presence. How did Elizabeth deserve the opportunity to stand in the presence of the mother of her Lord? Even before his birth, Jesus was recognized as Lord, the Messiah of God. Don't miss the recognition came from humble priestly folks in the Judean hill country. Not royal people in the nation's capital. The people of status, of position, of pride, miss Jesus. The proud always miss Jesus. Humility opens up us up to God's presence and work in our lives. It awakens us. Humility enables us to recognize our need of, of Jesus' grace and presence and leading and forgiveness and care and guidance. Humility is the place of new beginnings, of new awakenings. It is the place of hope. It is the place of courage. It is the place of peace greater than our circumstances. It is where we see the opportunities in COVID rather than the limitations. Humility is the place we put our trust in God. Humility awakens us. What does humility look like for you today and for me today? Is it asking Jesus to forgive your need to control everything around you so that you can feel safe? Is humility reaching out to express your need for others in your life? Is humility reaching out to Jesus and asking him to forgive your rejection of his leadership in your life? Is humility asking others for their forgiveness because of the conflicts that have occurred in your life recently? Humility is saying, Jesus, I want to do things your way. I trust you, Jesus, with my life, my health, my relationships. I trust you with everything I am and everything I have. That's humility. God also blesses those who believe that God will do what he has said he will do. That God will do what he has said he will do. Elizabeth concludes her Christ of joy with a formal beatitude. And blessed is she 
who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Verse 45 of Luke 1. To catch the full sense of Elizabeth's words, we need to remember that Zechariah, who was deaf and mute because he had disbelieved the angel Gabriel, was standing in amazed silence at Elizabeth's side. Elizabeth spoke as one who was blessed because she was living with the fulfillment of the promise of Zechariah had received with the child in her womb. She's now encouraging and celebrating Mary's trust in the fulfillment of the words of Gabriel, promising that Mary would carry and give birth to the Son of God. Mary's sense of God's presence and God's purposes was increasingly awakened as Elizabeth spoke God's truth over her. It's the beauty of this story. Mary, I am blessed that you would come to see me. Mary, you are blessed to be pregnant. Mary, you, you are blessed to be carrying the Messiah. Mary, you and I are blessed when we believe what God has told us he would do through us. Beautiful words of affirmation. Friends, have you awakened to God's presence in your life? Have you awakened to God's promises to you today? Let me ask you, have you put your trust in God's promises for you? Or are you trusting yourself? Are you walking in God's blessings that he gives to those who trust him? That's his invitation for you today. Whether you are hearing this for the first time or you have walked with Jesus for years. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your outrageous goodness, for your blessing that we read about in the story of Mary and Elizabeth. How you poured out your blessings on them and through them by your supernatural intervention in their lives, by, by having Elizabeth be able to become pregnant with John and Mary to be impregnated by your spirit with Jesus. And you bless them by working in them, by working through them, the same way that you bless us, by working in us and working through us. And they trusted you to walk in your favor, even though it meant walking through very difficult things, seeing both of their sons killed at an early age, seeing all kinds of conflict around their children and walking through conflict themselves. Blessing is not a pie-in-the-sky idea that everything goes well for us. Blessing is your presence with us as you, as you give us new life, as you walk with us through whatever may come for your glory and for the continuation of your kingdom in this world until you return and make all things right. Father, for people today who are struggling, I pray that even in this moment they will say, Jesus, I trust you. Here is my life. And if that's for the first time, Father, I know you will fill them with your spirit and give them new life. If they've known you, I know you will come and bring peace and bring healing into their lives. So, Father, thank you for your promises. Thank you for your blessings. And thank you for awakening us in this Christmas season. In your name I pray. Amen. There will be some questions that come up on the screen for reflection. Take some time to consider them.